From New Hampshire Public Radio, this is Stranglehold, a look into the people and power behind the first in the nation presidential primary. I'm Jack Rodolico. If you've been to a presidential candidate rally in New Hampshire this week, or more likely seen one on TV or on the web, there's a good chance this guy had something to do with that rally. We should probably get in. Um, so what's happening now is our, we're, we're just unloading the truck. So we've got a, a 26-foot box truck full of all the production gear. Um, so we'll... Early in the morning on a recent day on the campaign trail, my colleague Casey McDermott got a backstage tour. We already have a site layout, so we know roughly what, what's going to happen. But I'll, uh, I'll talk with the campaign team and just make sure that that plan is, uh, is still solid. Her tour guide isn't a staffer for any particular campaign, although he does work for just about anyone running for president. Every single request that a campaign needs, we are prepared to handle. It's one phone call. Chris Malloy owns an event planning business here in New Hampshire, Malloy Events. Weddings, galas, corporate conferences, his company can do that stuff. But on the morning Casey met up with him, Chris's crew was staging a town hall for Elizabeth Warren. It was one of five campaign events his company handled that day. The stakes are high. If we were to make a mistake on a site and a flag were to fall or something while a candidate was speaking, it would be a national embarrassment for, for the candidate. So if you've got somebody on your production side like, like us, we understand all those stakes. We don't need to be reminded. Chris Malloy is the guy in political event production in New Hampshire. Presidential campaigns come to him for a service he advertises on his company website under the tab Political Production. Quote, specializing in custom-designed and uniquely authentic experiences for both the audience and the world watching, the first in the nation primary. This is a really specialized skill. And campaigns are willing to pay. On one end, you have like a $500 line item from the Ted Cruz campaign back in 2015 for equipment rental. But on the other end, you have $40,000 from the Bernie Sanders campaign in 2016, $18,000 from Kamala Harris's campaign when she was still in the race for event production. He caters to everything from like a small town hall setting to like a big giant rally. So Casey is an investigative reporter at NHPR. She is kind of hardwired to make connections between data points and big questions. As a reporter that covers the primary, you know, you look around and you see campaign offices, you see people visiting diners, visiting coffee shops, you see ads on TV. And my mind immediately goes to, can you actually put a price tag on how much money are people making off of the primary? How much money are people making off of the primary? It's a good question, especially now, as the New Hampshire campaign enters its final cash-fueled days. And to begin answering it, Casey went fishing for data, starting with the campaigns. Breaking, I looked at the campaign fundraising reports because when you run for president, you're supposed to report where you're spending your campaign money. And there was a way for me to narrow down these um, thousands and thousands and thousands of campaign expenses to look only at where presidential campaigns were spending money in the state of New Hampshire. 
Chris's company, Malloy Events, is just one example of this kind of primary economy, which includes a whole class of New Hampshire businesses, businesses who every four years cater to the campaigns. That includes hotels who sell out years in advance to accommodate visiting campaign staff and out-of-town journalists, landlords who rent space to campaign offices, local restaurants that become takeout favorites for staffers. As campaign spending data shows, the primary does bring some tangible value to these businesses. But the value of the primary, it's about more than a straight-up cash exchange. The primary also is really like a branding opportunity for New Hampshire. It's a chance for the state to kind of get on the radar of the rest of the country and the rest of the world. So obviously that's valuable. And I was kind of wondering, like, how much is that worth and how does that play into why some people fight so hard to keep it? There is nothing New Hampshire is more famous for than the presidential primary. And that fame has a value of its own, a value much greater than dollars spent or earned. So the thing we wanted to understand better is this. How does that value help to explain this state's stranglehold. It's just going to be bananas here. I don't think there's enough square footage of anything in the state for this. Hotel rooms, venues, trucks, Airbnbs. There's just not enough stuff, I think, for for what's about to happen. A lot of people assume the primary is really lucrative to the state, which seems logical. Companies like Chris Malloy's are making money from it. But if you're trying to answer the question of how valuable it is, really, to the state of New Hampshire itself, you have to begin widening the scope. What about, like, the average New Hampshire resident? Like, is the primary bringing in visitors, bringing in tax dollars, bringing in other revenue that is really making a difference in a meaningful way. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, if you were to look at the economy as a pie chart, what percentage of that pie chart is the primary? Right. So in my effort to figure out that bigger question, I learned that people had tried to figure this out. It just happens that that was 20 years ago. So... There were actually a few studies that were done back in the late 90s and around the time of the 2000 presidential election to try to put a value on the New Hampshire primary. And what was even more interesting was that these studies were done at the encouragement of a lot of the people who we now think of as the real like protectors and boosters of the primary. The protectors and boosters of the primary. These are the political elite here who are committed to keeping New Hampshire first, who have repeatedly worked to outflank other states who want to vote for presidential nominees before New Hampshire, who believe New Hampshire will suffer if it loses the primary. So on this list, you have a former governor, you have the secretary of state, you have Republican and Democratic committee men and women, you have like really powerful people in New Hampshire politics who have spent a lot of energy on the primary. And this group of powerful state politicians and political operatives, 
they were among the group who commissioned the studies to put a value on the primary. I mean, I think the idea was that, like, okay, if we can figure out a way to measure how great this is, not just for people in politics, but for the state at large, that will be great because we can, you know, have the backing of people in the tourism industry. We can have the backing of local businesses. We can have the backing of people all across the state the next time that we are up against someone who's trying to take it away from us. So this was something that was really interesting to people who had a stake in trying to keep the primary in New Hampshire. Plus, they figured it wasn't just about cash. They figured the primary was great for the state's brand, its reputation. And so those primary boosters, they hired a team of researchers who understood how to answer this abstract question about value. There was an economist on the team, a pollster, and then there was a researcher with a different kind of specialty. The queen of metrics. The queen of metrics. Yes. You knocked on the door of the queen of metrics. I did. So this was the this is how it started. How my involvement in analyzing the primary started was I don't know if you want to call her like a um, like a media analyst. She kind of like she works with lots of different companies trying to help them figure out like what they do, why it's valuable and how to communicate that effectively. So she was enlisted to help do that for the New Hampshire primary. Katie Payne is the queen of metrics. She was part of a team that conducted two studies, one for the 1996 election and another for 2000. In these studies, they measured the value of the primary in two ways. One way was by calculating clear-cut cash transactions. They wanted to know how much money is spent in New Hampshire directly in connection with the primary. It was ridiculous. We called, oh my God, the things that we did. We called every campaign We looked at all the campaign expenditures. We called car rental companies and hotels. The researchers had all kinds of access. They got into minutiae, tracking state taxes on hotel stays and meals. It had the full cooperation of the state government because they worked with the kind of revenue offices to get the information and the data that they needed about the taxes and how that was playing into all of this. So Katie and her team compiled all these data points on business revenue, tax revenue, clear-cut money stuff. That was one leg of the research. For the other part, the researchers were measuring a different kind of value the primary brings, exposure and image. When the primary hits New Hampshire, the state gets a ton of national and international attention. So when the eyes of the world turn here, what story is being told? How do those stories shape people's view of the state? And do those stories help or hurt New Hampshire's bottom line? This part of the research is Katie Payne's specialty. She's good at figuring out how to measure how people view an institution. In this case, she did it by analyzing news coverage. First, they siphoned up every story about the primary, thousands of them. And then we sorted all those articles and we took out all the ones that were just purely political primary stuff and focused in on the stories that actually talked about how New Hampshire was positioned, right? Is it cold? Is it atypical? Is it whatever? So we focused in on the ones that actually had some substance. The researchers then sorted the coverage by tone, placing each story in one of three categories, positive, balanced, or negative. 
Basically, they wanted to know, did the story leave a reader with a positive, a neutral, or a negative view of the state? And that's actually good economic data. The team even had a statistic. For every 100 positive impressions, think boostery TV reports or positive newspaper articles, three people were likely to visit New Hampshire, and those three people would spend 50 bucks each. And, well... You know how there's the way you see yourself, and then there's the way you fear everyone else sees you? The the image of New Hampshire that was being portrayed in the national media was that we're a bunch of kind of, you know, in her words. Basically, it was like we're a bunch of hicks and flannel-shirted hicks, etc., etc. New Hampshire was bitter cold, read millions of Americans. Millions more got the impression that New Hampshire voters weren't so much discerning as... Fussy? Yeah, those persnickety New Hampshire voters and... Flinty. Yeah, flinty. Old-fashioned, but not in a good way. And that wasn't even the bad news. That came when they got to the price tag. We'll be right back. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. If you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams. Now celebrating 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams is the originator of everyone's favorite Lux Home Blanket. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort, as its ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are each made with premium materials. Get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code PODCAST15. All those political leaders who fought hard to keep the first presidential primary in New Hampshire, Casey says they assumed the primary was good for business. You know, you look around and you see campaign offices, you see people visiting diners, visiting coffee shops, you see ads on TV. But at least back in the late 90s and early 2000s, here's what the researchers were finding. Those transactions weren't adding up to much. Ross Gattel was an economist on the research team. A lot of the spending of staff that were here was, you know, like pizza and beer, which was pretty low cost. Reporters were like staying with friends and colleagues and everything else. So who was spending the money? Well, it was the campaigns, but they don't have an unlimited budget. Reporters don't have an unlimited budget. So you're just not going to get that much direct spending. Okay. 
Okay, so here comes the number, the price tag. Bear in mind that the primary campaign takes a long time. Months of ad buys and meals and rooms taxes, local political consultants, national news networks parachuting in. So when the research team looked at all of this leading up to the 2000 primary, they calculated that the primary was worth about $260 million to the state. And that included about $33 million in publicity benefits, you know, the positive impressions gleaned from the articles. It sounds like a lot of money, but think about it this way. According to the study, the total amount they were able to tally up amounted to six-tenths of one percent of the gross state product. So... Six-tenths of one percent? Yes. Okay. Very small. very small piece of pie. Yes. I remember sitting, I think, in our offices in Portsmouth going, this is like nothing. We spent a lot of time trying to trying to put dollars on it, and when we added it all up, it was less than a day at Loudoun. Less than a day at Loudoun. Loudoun is a town in New Hampshire best known for its NASCAR racetrack. Months of primary action brought in less money than a day of car racing. talking to the people that were involved, they said that they were actually a little bit nervous to go back to the people who had asked them to do this study. Remember why they wanted this information in the first place? The primary boosters thought it would help their case. Part of the reason was they wanted to widen support for the primary across the state. They wanted to pull in people who'd be up in arms if another state or anyone threatened New Hampshire's status. The more money the primary brought in, the bigger the constituency to defend it. In theory, the research, though, undercut that conclusion. So how did the primary boosters respond? The real light bulb moment for me or something that, like, I was not aware of was this pivot. It went from, like, making the case how important the uh, primary was to New Hampshire's economy to uh, telling the nation is that the reason why uh, New Hampshire does this, uh, engages in the First Nation primary, is not because of the economic benefits, because... Uh, of a highly engaged electorate. So what happens is the messaging and the angle and the takeaway on it kind of change. And Mm. it becomes, well, it was never really about the money anyway. And one of the things that was really interesting to me once I heard all of this backstory is it clarified for me why I had been unable to find any kind of economic impact study since the 2000 campaign. For the past 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Because nobody wants to know the answer. Right. If you wanted to measure the value of the primary today to do what Katie Payne and the researchers did two decades ago, you'd have to take a different approach. The landscape has changed so much. You've got PACs and super PACs buying ads, campaigns spending millions on social media. There's more outside money coming to the state to lobby candidates on issues like climate change. There is more money than ever, and that money is harder to track. And calculating how primary coverage shapes a person's view of New Hampshire, analyzing things like newspaper articles would only take you so far. You'd have to look at how the state is being discussed on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, on cable news shows. What doesn't appear to have changed is that the primary is good for business 
if you are close to it, if you run a hotel, if you work in politics, if you produce political events, or if you work for someone who does, like the guy who runs the sound system for Chris Malloy. Uh, I honestly cannot tell you how the primary process even works. I have no clue. Do you feel like you've benefited like from the primary being here? Uh, I would say definitely from an economic standpoint, it has kept me working. And for what it's worth, Chris Malloy says if the primary went away, he'd take a hit, but he wouldn't close his doors. He might even take a vacation, he says. Okay, so set aside the business, the money people make from the primary. What about all that publicity, the image, that sense of identity and pride it brings the state? For some people, that's enough. Marlene is going to give you stickers to prove that you are, in fact, a member of this group. It might sound kitschy, but this week only, you could ride on a primary trolley tour. And when I signed the form for Debbie, our driver, I had to list myself as chaperone. So behave yourselves, please. And we have a couple of journalists with us. Casey McDermott here is from New Hampshire Public Radio. Okay, so this trolley tour basically, like, did a loop through Manchester, the state's biggest city, and really, like, the epicenter of the primary for the next week. Uh, We are going to make a stop at the Milliard Museum to see the exhibit we have called Manchester and the Path to the Presidency. There were restrooms there, too, so... They drove by businesses that have been the backdrops of lots of iconic campaign moments. Spots like the Red Arrow Diner, the downtown hotel where reporters traditionally camp out in the days before the primary. They stopped and looked at these places, and they saw connections between these local spots and American history. They saw the spot where Ed Muskie may or may not have cried outside of the Union Leader building. And here's Dwight Eisenhower riding in a limousine. Nice little picture of Ike on the on the hood. President Obama, uh, during his second campaign, he came here. He did not win candidate George W. Bush, taking part in a pancake flipping contest. It was sponsored by Bisquick. As you as you look at this photograph, yes, all the kids in green shirts came specifically as Donald Trump supporters. And the trolley tour starts and stops at a bookstore that just so happens to have all kinds of primary merch. What kind of merchandise are we talking about here? We're talking about uh, T-shirts. We're talking about a um, get political tote bag, which we in public radio can appreciate. But don't worry. They're not going to rake you over the coals. The price tag for a ticket on this trolley? Five bucks. This episode was reported by Casey McDermott. It was produced by me, Jack Rodolico, editing by Maureen McMurray, Dan Barrick, Erica Janik, and Corey Princell. Sound mixing by Rebecca Lavoy. Strangleholds beautifully aggressive podcast graphics were created by Sarah Plord and original music by Jason Moon and Lucas Anderson. You can catch up on all the episodes of Stranglehold when you subscribe to our podcast. Just go to strangleholdpodcast.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Stranglehold is a production of New Hampshire Public Radio.
The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today.